0: the boom. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Wednesday Night Wars. Here as part of Suplex Retweet Extra. My name is Hockney, and I am now your sixth Retweet champion after dethroning my guest today, who is back on for a third time because he's probably just a glutton for punishment. It is Stevie Wilson. Stevie, how are you?
1: Oh, I, I was fine. Then you did that intro, and then I thought, ah, why am I wasting my time?"
0: Well, there's another reason to watch Saturday, to listen to Saturday Draft live on Suplex Retweet Extra, just to hear the uh, the latest t- title change uh, in the ever-growing, you know, archives that we've got going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> anyway, so if you want to listen to suplex retweet extra be sure to find it on Spotify anchor iTunes and all good podcasting sites and don't forget to follow us on social media as well Facebook Twitter Instagram at Suplex retweet and be sure to check out suplex retweet.com as well for all the interviews articles and upcoming shows we've got in the next month. Now Stevie I think uh, today we'll be looking at the fallout show from aew Dynamite and it was I mean given the the fallout from revolution I think it's safe to say revolution was a, a big success. Uh, and we got to see probably one of the greatest tag team matches we've ever seen involving Omega, Hangman Page and the Young Bucks.
1: Yeah, it was very, very, very good tag team match between a tag team and the Young Bucks who many will say are the best tag team uh, that come out of America in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. It's fair to say, 10, 20 years. And two guys in Kenny Omega and especially Hangman Page who are at the top of their game.
0: Yeah, and it was kind of weird this week because you know only half, only one member of each team only appeared on Dynamite this week because AEW has been beefing up the fact that Kenny is now... is currently not medically cleared. So, yeah, how Mick, do you think that... Do you think
1: Jackson's that, wife is uh, expecting a, a belief. Oh, is that right? So I think that's why he wasn't there.
0: Okay, that makes... Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. So, But uh, we'll, we'll go into the, all the details of that in, in just a minute And... Obviously, NXT continues to build towards TakeOver Tampa and WrestleMania weekend, but do you think uh, NXT sort of found its rhythm again, you know, after having sort of what we like to call like a hangover show after, a, after TakeOver Portland?
1: Yeah, they seem to be getting everything quite right in terms of a combination of wrestling and stories. I think when they first started off the head-to-head, they were focusing more on just playing matches, mm-hmm. but now they seem to be refining the groove in terms of building stories.
0: Yeah, we said that before with uh, on Saturday draft live as well. Is that you know AEW has finally found its rhythm and there's a lot of uh, a lot of guys who are basically hot property when it comes to AEW and you know it's most important to keep an eye on them you know as we build you know towards double or nothing in in the next few months. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's dive straight into this week's episode of AEW Dynamite and I can confirm that we both have had the same. Top three undeniable moments this week. So this is going to go a lot smoother than uh, than usual. So let's uh, let's kick off our number three undeniable moment of this week. It goes to the main event uh, where it was meant to be a tag team match where John Moxley and Darby Allen go up against Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. However, due to uh, a pre-match attack by the Inner Circle, it became a two-on-one handicap match in which Darby Allen goes on his own against Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. Now. Steve, I want to get your opinion on Darby Allen. Like he just continues to be AEW's brightest breakout star. I mean, is that fair to say?
1: I would say so, David. Yeah, he's he's a guy. He's excitement. He's a man who does clearly does not care about his own well-being <laughs> a lot all the stuff that he kind of does in terms of his in-ring action. But he's just got that factor about him, and it just kind of you can, can be gripped at pretty much everything he does very, very
0: easily. He has that you know that ability to make himself unique from the rest of the roster, I think that's what really appeals. You know, he has half the face paint. He has, uh, you know, he comes down to the ring on a skateboard. I mean, who who can you say does that anywhere else?
1: Yeah, pretty much nowhere. It's quite. It is. He's got that factor of um, a man who doesn't like to be told what to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think it's fair to say, which is probably why he suits uh, AEW at the moment because they seem to give the guys a bit more
0: freedom. Mm. And now he's had one-on-one matches with Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara uh, in the past, like Sammy Guevara at Revolution, actually, where he got the win. So do you think having him in this handicap situation, you know, obviously two bodies against one, it's going to be an automatic disadvantage. But, you know, know, for a guy his size and, you know, his ability to just not think about his own well-being, do you think that really sort of helped him, you know, put up a good fight here?
1: Yeah, I think he was perfect. He's, he's the perfect kind of guy to have in this kind of scenario. You mentioned his match at uh, the pay per view with Sammy Guevara, probably one of the best matches on the card. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was probably my favourite match out with the tag match. Yep, because the two of them just kind of went for it and didn't really, you know, it was just like a lot of chaotic fun, which is good. Mm-hmm. So, but chucking him into this scenario where he didn't really have to, he looked good just getting absolutely battered.
0: I think it's yeah. fair to say he's certainly resilient to say the least. Because I thought, you know, I figured the match wouldn't last any longer than than ten minutes or so. But you know, fair play to him, he really put on a solid effort against the former champion and also not just Sammy Guevara, but also like the rest of the inner circle who got involved at one point. And he did that coffin drop to the outside as well on all five of them.
1: Yeah, his coffin drop, but you always kind of grimace a wee bit at the coffin drop. You think yeah. if he misses
0: it, like he's it's gonna hop. Yeah, I was like. Oh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm the same. I just wince every time I watch because I think if he's not looking where he's going, he could seriously hurt himself.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. But he yeah, a guy. There's a partly... I read a, an interview with... Uh, I can't mind who they did the interview with. It was on Mirror Wrestling. Mirror WWE. Mm-hmm. And um, they had an interview with somebody, I can't remember exactly who it was, who said... Um, I think it might be Tony actually said that... Sami's No, no, Sammy, sorry. Darby's been told backstage you should probably, like... Be careful about how he goes about himself because he could end up seriously hurting himself in a few years' time.
0: So they're basically saying to him, just tone it down a bit.
1: I think I tell them to tone it down, but he's a guy who just he goes. That's just him, and he's not going to like step back and give little than what he's given. Which I think is you got to give him a back credit for that one. He's fully committed.
0: Yeah, he yeah, is committed. I mean, I just that you know, but I do see where they're coming from. You know, the coffin drop. Maybe onto that barrel, you know, all the way back it all out, and then he did it again in his match with Cody onto the ring apron. Like that's that could easily cause a back injury, and then that's it, boom, career over. And he's still he still only in his twenties, so he's got years ahead of him.
1: Mm-hmm. He is a guy who's always said in interviews he's been very vocal that he's not going to be wrestling until he's in his fifties. He's mm-hmm. gonna be rest. He's probably gonna. He, he's quite spoke about wanting to be take up an acting career and that type of stuff. But even mm-hmm. then, you need to watch yourself for
0: injuries. Yeah, absolutely, especially if you're doing your own stunts as well. Oh, yeah. But, you know, given his performance as well, uh, Inner Circle ends up getting the win after Jericho drops him with the Judas effect mid-flight when he does the the tope dive. And looking back at that, it, I honestly thought, you know, Darby Allen hasn't walked away with a black eye as a result of that because he just sort of clocked him straight in the face.
1: Oh, it's a nasty-looking... I think... See the Judas effect. At times, at times it looks good when it's kind of done in a way. Mm-hmm. Other times it looks absolutely terrible, it's just like a standard back elbow. Yeah, you know, but if he hits it flush, it looks good.
0: It does, yeah. It's kind of like it reminds me a bit of like Wade Barrett's bullhammer elbow. You know, it doesn't look all that impressive, but when when it clicks properly, it is actually quite effective. And mm-hmm. that's the impression I get with the Judas effect a bit
1: yeah they're very similar moves it's like Mm. the spinning back elbow and a kind of forearm so yeah any striking moves like that do look good if they hit them flush but obviously with this the way wrestling is they're not always going to hit them flush Mm
0: -hmm. but what transpired after this match as well like the inner like moxley reappears but the inner circle continues to uh to beat him down and then power bombs him off the stage in what well i thought was almost like shades of the shield in a way So I don't know if that was just uh, another rub at WWE for hitting Moxley with a triple powerbomb. But what I want to get your opinion of is, do you think the inner circle now looks more dominant being the pursuers of the championship rather than the ones, you know, being challenged?
1: See, the thing with the inner circle is the way they've been the last few weeks, they kind of look like, before, before Jericho lost the belt, they come across kind of like that kind of cool bad guys group. Mm-hmm. Like they seem to be, they seem to be in the crowd and the boxes. The crowd sing along to Jericho's theme. We need, they need to be in a state where the crowd absolutely hate them, despise them. And I think by doing that, they need to be these kind of guys, mercenary type characters, mm-hmm. which I think they were quite effectively throughout the show at times. We had that when um, Hager was taking on uh, QT Marshall mm-hmm. as well. So they need to be these guys who just take out everybody as opposed to these guys who are just kind of cool, sing-along type ones, you know, we need to have that type of nastiness, which when you've got guys like Santana, Ortiz and even Hager, they kind of would suit perfectly if they used them like that.
0: Yeah, Santana and Ortiz definitely come across as the sort of nasty boys of the group, so using them, you know, sort of to do the the mercenary type work, it, it definitely is, it proves them to be a more dominant group when used correctly, and you're having like a big a uh, big muscle man like Jake Hager just to back them up. It, it, when used correctly, you know they are quite a an indomitable faction in their own rights. Yeah, definitely. I'd say so. Mm. Uh, so just one last point. Do you think you could see Moxley and Jericho having a rematch further down the line before Jericho goes off to tour with Fozzy?
1: Uh It's probably got the best chance of being the match at double or nothing mm-hmm. in May because there's not really a heel contender for Moxley other than Jericho still uh, they probably still need to build up the likes of Pac and MJF a wee bit so Mm -hmm. I'd probably say he's the only viable option to challenge
0: Moxley Yep. and speaking of the bastard uh, we're actually moving on to our number 2 undeniable moment this week and it is uh, Pac versus Chuck Taylor so the best friend stable um, I actually think they're really starting to grow on me a bit in particular now that Orange Cassidy's getting, you know, more time in the ring and he actually went one-on-one with Pack at Revolution, it was actually one of the most fun matches that I've heard coming out of Revolution. Would you agree with that?
1: Oh, it was great fun. I was absolutely... I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, it made Pack both look like an absolute bastard as he is, while also have Orange Cassidy come out as a kind of sympathetic, absolute over-fan favour that he is. Mm-hmm. And I think... Now incorporating the Lucha Brothers into this Yep Could be quite an interesting way I think we need to Pack in the Lucha Brothers Are free wrestlers in AEW Who need to become more established As top bad guys Yep And I think if you're going to have a group To do it against Who won't look bad And you know Making them look absolute bastards Mm -hmm. The best friends are the best ones for it I'd say Because they're a great example of a tag team Who don't really need to be flying At the top of the card they're going to be well-liked regardless, as Orange Cassidy's shown, by not really doing a great deal.
0: Yeah, and I'm really pleased, you know, because when Trent was in WWE, he was just wasted beyond belief. So seeing him in this, you know, this this stable with Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy, I think I'm really, really glad that he's finally getting to be showcased a lot more. But not to take anything away from Chuck Taylor, because, you know, I think this was his first, singles match he's had against, because Pac's been gone one-on-one with all three of them before so getting to see Chuck Taylor in a singles role I think it was a really good breath of fresh air and he certainly held his own, to say the least, against somebody like Pac who's gone up against the best of the best AEW has to offer.
1: Chuck Taylor's a very steady hand, he always has been throughout his career, wherever he's been, whether it's uh, in New Japan or even in his uh, tag team excursions so far in AEW, he's a He's quite a. Uh, he doesn't seem to come across as the kind of type of wrestler in terms of his look, but he can go in terms. Of he can he can high fly. He can technical. He has a as I say. He's a very steady Eddie, mm-hmm. and I think that's probably what you kind of need in this kind of lower midcards of AEW. Somebody who can put on good matches with these guys and make them look very credible contenders.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean. Chuck Taylor, a very credible competitor in this match. But at the same time, you know, Pac continues his, his dominance showing, you know, just with his his style in general. He can mix that brutal style with the high-flying aspect. And like you mentioned before, he's now seemed to have aligned them himself with the Lucha Brothers. And they've dubbed themselves as the Death Triangle. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so, that would be an interesting combination, these three uh, guys. Pac's a lot of them on the independents before he came. Before they all came to AW, mm-hmm. and as you'd expect, all f- fantastic matches we featured them. So to actually see these guys kind of go across because the Lucha Brothers are kind of bastards themselves.
0: Yeah, exactly. Probably the most one of the most heelish tag teams, if not the most heelish tag team on the roster. I'd say. Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: definitely. They, the things that they do, they don't really care. I mean, we have spoke before about how they don't really do tag team rules in terms of tagging in and out. Mm-hmm. So if they use them correctly, uh, these guys could be up there as one of the nastiest groups that AEW's produced and it could be absolute gold.
0: I'm very optimistic about this trio as well because you know PAC is absolutely dynamite on the mic. The Lucha Brothers are arguably one of the best tag teams in the world. I Do you think you could see a point where all three of them are holding championships?
1: I think If AEW were to introduce A mid-card title I think Pac's a great example Of a guy who should be Holding it first Yeah, agreed As I don't currently see him As the top guy But he is Very crisp in the ring His heel works fantastic He's just He is a He's just a, a great All-round competitor And I think The Lucha Brothers I've said before I thought they should have been The first tag champions yep. I could easily see them Being the guys To potentially dethrone uh, Hangman and Kenny?
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think the Lucha Brothers are probably now in top contention to dethrone Hangman and Omega. And maybe after Moxley's feud with Jericho, maybe Pac could insert himself into the AEW title picture. If not, maybe the person after it. So, because MJF as well, when he cut his promo this week, he's set his sights on the, the championship as well. God, I hope not. <laughs> well, but we'll get to, I'm sure we'll get to, to him in a bit. But just for the honorable mentions now, the opening match was uh, eight-man tag between SCU and the debuting Colt Cabana against, uh, let me see, Alex Reynolds, Long John Silver, Stu Grayson, and Evil Uno of the Dark Order. Did I, did I say all those right? I think so, yeah. Well, I'm not sure if it's long John Silver. I think it's just John Silver. I think it's just John Silver, yeah. <laughs> uh, so i have just got Treasure Island in my head for some reason, but yeah the the opening match. I think the S- the feud between SCU and the Dark Order has been going on for for a few weeks now, but I think the the story that's dominating not just AEW but also you know across the internet, you know who is the Exalted One. Yes. Like, how has uh, has that changed your opinion on? the Dark Order a bit, has it got you intrigued at all? No, oh, I still
1: hate them, I still think they're terrible.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I watched, I've actually just re-watched that match before we came on, before we started recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, let's make these guys really strong and have them lose to Colt Cabana, who I love Colt Cabana, but he's not a guy that needs to be winning matches against your supposed Dark Heel stable. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of the exalted, well, I'm, I, I am interested to see who it is. Uh whoever it is going to be will be interesting i personally don't want it to be matt hardy
0: because there's a lot of indication that it is matt hardy because he did post that message and the letters of each the first letters of each did spelled it out i think no, oh, that's way too obvious
1: with matt hardy he had this he's obviously been on this the being the elite or freeing the elite mm-hmm. uh where the, the young bucks showed up at the end of it the bucks of you Bucks of youth Yes I you You'd come Uh, I think Having that that Interaction between the two If he was to then Become the leader Of the dark order The dark order The stable Who have Attacked the elite They have attacked SCU Mm -hmm. It would make Absolutely no sense So I do think Matt Hardy Probably will show up In AEW at some point But I don't think He'll be leading The dark order I think the best Shout for it In my opinion Is the former Luke Harper And Brody
0: Lee yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, you know, we, we've discussed before on previous shows, you know, with names that have been thrown about like Raven as well, who was backstage at one point. Ah. So I think it's still up in the air, but I think we're we're both leaning towards uh, Brodie Lee at this stage.
1: I think so. I think because the, the initial tease they kind of did was, it's, when, it's, Wednesday, it's Wednesday, you know what that means type idea, which is what mm-hmm. Luke Harper, Brody Lee has been tweeting about for probably the last two years every day. Mm-hmm. So I think they're throwing teases out everywhere, uh, so it wouldn't surprise me if they've got some sort of like
0: left-wing option that's not one of the two of them. I mean, I'm hoping for a surprise, but I think we've got expectations in mind, and you know what, Those, I don't think we'll be disappointed if that comes to, comes to pass. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. So, uh, we've got two more honourable mentions as well, and you mentioned this earlier, earlier on, we had QT Marshall versus Jake Hager. In his Jake Hager's second match in AEW after defeating Dustin at Revolution and I think this was just sort of sort of okay you know it was just um but do you think it felt a bit forced as well
1: I think everything so far uh, the last two matches with Hager I felt a bit forced uh, I was not a fan of his match with Dustin at the pay-per-view mm-hmm. I thought it was a bad choice to open the show and it didn't really do much to kind of get rid of my the feels of Hager being very much still Jack Swagger with a different name.
0: Uh, he, he still has that whole Jack Swagger sort of uh, demeanor about him a bit, you know, a bit sort of green and, you know, he's just sort of there to be the heavy hitter. But I mean, nothing to take away from his MMA career as well. I mean, he is, he, he feels much more natural as, a, as an MMA fighter rather than, well, dare I say it, a sort of scripted wrestling entertainment show.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he, he is a legitimately hard-hitting man. He's a great, He is a fighter, you know. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's an All-American previously as well, you know. He's a great amateur wrestler. But in terms of this type of actual scripted wrestling main shows, he just does not look like convincing. His best work has been just being the heavy guy mm-hmm. to... Uh, Jericho. i seen a great comparison... ...on something, I can't remember what it was... ...this week, where somebody compared them to... ...I don't know if you remember, Mr. Hughes... ...from the late 90s in WWE?
0: No, not a clue. I only started watching... ...WWE from early 2000s well, onward.
1: Essentially, Mr. Hughes was... Uh, ...he was Triple H's bodyguard... ...before China came about. And right. he was also briefly the kind of heavy... ...bodyguard for, coincidentally... ...Chris Jericho, when Jericho first debuted. Mm-hmm. And he was a guy who was great in that role... ...but he stuck him in the ring and he was absolutely mince. Yeah. So that's the thing with Hager. Hager's very good when he's just that kind of heavy-hitting mm-hmm. guy to kind of help the, help the inner circle. Mm-hmm. But if you kind of have to put him in a match where he has to kind of lead with something. Doesn't quite work out. Uh, I think that putting him in QT Marshall wasn't the worst thing because he was allowed just to kind of batter him a wee bit. Yeah. But the, uh, Justin the didn't convince me at all.
0: I mean, we can't really fall Jake Hager, you know... Because he, he is a fantastic athlete. I think he's just in a... He, he's in a position where... Uh, I mean, it, it's kind of hard to describe. But I think they want to sort of portray him as this you know fantastic athlete. But at the same time, they just force it too much. And it, it doesn't come across as natural. Yeah, I think but so. I think uh, JR at one point on commentary as well said... You know, maybe... Hager could even challenge Moxley, Moxley for the for the championship. I mean, I, I don't know if that's what people would be interested in, but I can see why they would say it. You know, to try and put put him over as a as a threat.
1: Yeah, it's just it's not gonna it's not gonna convince me at all. Even, mm. You've got this company who are supposedly in their world, and they have backed up in a lot of cases. I'll give them that. All about the top wrestlers. Yeah. So to have a guy like Hager being challenging, it's probably not going to help sell a lot of people on this whole uh alternative product idea.
0: hmm Yeah. Uh but yeah, well um hopefully we'll things might change as we go along, but we'll keep an eye on Hager as things develop. And the last honorable mention we've got is the the one women's match we had this week. We had Big Swall, uh pretty much going in a squash match against Leva Bates. So not much we can really say about this one, but it certainly puts uh, Big Swole on the map, you know, as maybe a possible contender for the, the Women's Championship.
1: Yes, Swole's got a bit of charisma about her. Uh, she, she looks like she could end up being quite a solid hand in the division. Maybe mm-hmm. it looks like she's going to potentially feud with Britt Baker, given that Britt Baker was on commentary in that match. Yeah. So that could be interesting if uh, Britt Baker continues her... Uh, Renaissance, so to say, as a heel character.
0: Uh Brick Baker is doing fantastic as a heel at the minute. I think, and y- you know, Big Swall has got, you know, she's got charisma. She's got the athleticism about her. I think what's going to let her down though is I think she still needs a bit of a character development.
1: Mhm. Yeah. I think I think she still needs something. She's got something there. Mm-hmm. It's just she needs to kind of maybe take it to the next step. But I think there's there's a, they're not doing too much with her. They're not over pushing her. She just needs to keep continuing winning because when she first came in, she was losing a lot. So yeah. she maybe needs a couple of wins against. Obviously, Leah Bates is a perfect person to get squash over. There's some other wrestlers on the on the roster that she could probably beat. Yeah. Uh, I'd be interested to see what they do with her over the next few months because the women division is still pretty weak, as shown by the match at Revolution.
0: Yeah, I mean there is potential there, but they just need to, you know, continually build up each individual talent. You know, give them give them a story, give them a character. I mean, Britt Baker at the minute is probably the best example, mm-hmm. but I don't see her being the one to dethrone Nyla Rose at this stage. I think, you know, a face character needs to dethrone her.
1: Yeah, it's just, as you say, who is who is that going to be? Mm-hmm. If it's good, if, if, the, if the long-term plan is Chris Statlander, uh, she's showed over the last couple of weeks that she's still not quite there in terms of the finished product. So she could maybe do it with going back down and maybe having these matches that will seem a big swole at the moment as opposed yeah. to being
0: thrusted into that title picture so soon yeah, yeah absolutely so now we come to our number one undeniable moment this week and it was a surprise return in the form of WWE Hall of Famer Jake the Snake Roberts yeah, uh, who comes out during Cody's promo uh, about, uh, about talking about his match with MJF at Revolution which I hear from a lot of people was actually a bit of a disappointment
1: it sucked, man. Ah, oh, this is like the match. This is your kind of uh, split match. It's kind of split a lot of people. I've seen a lot of people rate it really highly. I believe mm. Melpser rated it quite decently as well. Maybe about a three. I think he did it like a three point five or something. I can't remember exactly how much he rated that. I gave it two out of five stars. I thought it was absolutely terrible. It was, you know, those matches that they try to overwork and yeah. overbook and just do too much with. This was a great example of a match. It had an absolute amazing build, and it just sucked. It dragged the life out of the crowd. You know, you've noticed, obviously, the last few weeks on Dynamite how over Cody is as a wrestler.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: Crowd was dead. Crowd was absolutely dead for this match.
0: Which, can, uh, at what point on the card was it? Was it after the tag match or was it before? No, it
1: was after the women's match. So it was oh, third from. Right. It came from from last. Uh, the only matches that followed it were Pat Guns, Cassidy and the Main event with Moxley and Jericho, right? So it was in a decent position, I'd say, because granted, the women's match was you know that sucked as well. <laughs> uh, but no, I just felt like a match that was completely overbooked. Uh, didn't help that downstreet killed the crowd of the live performance of Cody's theme. Oh, uh, you need to watch that, it's absolutely terrible. It's like,
0: yeah.
1: I, it's I really didn't like uh, John Jett doing Ronda Rousey's theme at WrestleMania last year.
0: Mm-hmm. This is worse. <laughs> oh, really? I don't know. I, I, I actually re. You know, funny you should say that, because I actually rewatched uh, Ronda Rousey's Mania Entrance with John Jett, and I actually thought it, was, it wasn't it was too bad.
1: I didn't like it at the time. You know, I would maybe rewatch it and thought it was alright, but yeah. no, I everything about. The cody MGF match was very overbooked, you know, mm. from the start of it. The shenanigans with uh, Brandy and Arm as well outside. Not to mention Cody's tattoo. Oh my God.
0: Uh, oh, I can't stop staring at it.
1: Oh, it's terrible. I, I, I've actually got this segment that we're going to talk about on the background right now. And <laughs> it just zooms in on the tattoo. Like, uh, why have you got, get that on your back or something.
0: Don't uh, put, put it on it, your neck. Put it on your shoulder or something, not on your neck. And it's at a weird angle too. Oh it's terrible. It's terrible. It's like, uh,
1: Cody, what are you thinking? You've be, you've made yourself the best babyface in wrestling in the last two months, and then you get a stupid tattoo and have an absolute crap match uh, with the guy who's meant to be the future of of your company.
0: I hate to say it, but I kind of wish I had. I wish I kind of wish he had his mustache back as well. Oh, I remember the moustache. That was yeah. good times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Cody's cutting the promo and he was basically saying he can't, he's not sure he, he can accept the loss because of his uh, MJF's shenanigans. But it's uh it, it did come across a bit of a cringy promo, but it, it all sort of turned around a bit, you know, with when Jake the Snake shows up. And yeah. he's saying, Cody, you know, stop being a little bitch. Stop whining, complaining. And, He's teased the arrival of a new client as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, this segment is all about Jake the Snake. You know, we've talked uh, about Cody in the last few months, how when he hits a good promo, he nails it on the head. This You, you were pretty much spot on, David. He comes across a wee bit whiny in this promo. But if you look in wrestling's history over the last 40 years, there's no better promo in wrestling than Jake the Snake Roberts. The man's, the psychology about it, the way his tone of voice, the way he makes everything feel so sinister with just the smallest words. Mm-hmm. He, he's an absolute genius when it comes to in-ring psychology. And he's pretty much right, because Cody's out here mourning about a, a loss to MJF, and you've got a guy like Jake the Snake, who, let's be honest, has cheated death. Yep. The times he has went through his demons, he knows what bad is. So he's perfectly in his right to come out and say, stop bitching about this.
0: Uh, uh, <laughs> did, did you die? Uh, he,
1: he's, he, Jake the Snake is a, it's, it's great to see Jake, he's overcame his demons and he looks great for his age, you know. He looks great now that he's kind of overcame his problems. Mm-hmm. I'd be quite interested to see who his client is. I mean, my only criticism, it's a minor criticism, is AW seem to be using these kind of legendary managers Yeah, a wee bit too much. You've got R. Anderson, you've got Tully Blanchard. You've got Jake the Snake now. How long Jake the Snake's going to be doing that, I'm not too sure about. I'm leaning towards Lance Archer as his guy. I don't know what you think about that.
0: Uh, well, they, they did tease Lance Archer would debut this week, but funnily enough, no sign of him.
1: Yeah, they, apparently it was a change of creative. So right. that's a thing that... If WWE had done that, you know, we'd, uh, everybody would have been shitting on it. But... Because it was AEW, nobody cares. Uh, Aye. <laughs> so it happens to everybody, you know. We should be, We You should treat everything the same, in my opinion. But, Aye, definitely. Uh, I, I think that's maybe what the change of creative was. They've maybe gone with this. Instead, uh, it would make sense because he has got that type of character in Japan that mm-hmm. kind of comes across as somebody that we would work well with Jake. Whether yep. it's going to be a one-week thing, I'm not too sure. I'd be unsure if... if see if it is Lance. Mm-hmm. I'd be a bit wary of it because look what happened when they brought in the Butcher and the Blade. Yep. And they just kind of fed them to Cody.
0: Yeah, a little bit. But on the subject of, you know, like, Butcher and Blade and, you know, the history of Lance Archer, Jake uh, was claiming that the dark side will encompass AEW. And and that's sort of made me think, do you think there's a lot of, like, dark and brooding heel characters like almost too many as part of AEW because for example you know you mentioned Butcher and the Blade, you've got the Dark Order, you've got the Death Triangle and you know before you you could even say the Nightmare Collective uh, could sort of fill that, fill yeah, that the Night- title.
1: The Nightmare Collective has pretty much been put to bed thankfully
0: Aye. Uh, which is but good. Yeah, do you think this theme of like really sort of dark heelish characters is what's helping AEW at this stage? Yeah.
1: Uh- Yeah, in a way. I mean, that's what helped uh, WWE in its peak with the likes of the Ministry of Darkness Mm -hmm. and that type of stuff. I think they need to kind of use them in the right way, maybe not go with too many of them. I think the Death Triangle is a wee bit different than the likes of the Dark Order. I think the Butcher and the Blade is a complete uh, misstep from them. I think they've kind of uh, lost it a wee bit with them. Mm -hmm. Because we talked a couple of weeks ago about how good they looked in the Battle Royal for the first time and they've been nowhere to be seen on TV in two weeks since mm-hmm. so I think they've kind of been a missed opportunity
0: yeah uh, definitely
1: in terms of Jake I mean I think I'm not sure how well we react with it given obviously he's an old, he's old past his prime now he would fit in well as the exalted one but I think the exalted ones will probably be mm-hmm. an in-ring wrestler more than an actual manager type guy
0: yeah I can believe that definitely you know somebody who has you know Who's the, the the dominant competitor of the Dark Order? Mm-hmm.
1: The best the best part of his promo was the bit at the end of it where he goes. Yep. I was always told not to not to turn my back on someone I don't uh, respect, and then he just kind of turns his back on him.
0: Yeah, that's right. it's like all, right. I, it
1: Yeah, it's just it's great. He's it, so he's always so good at it. I mean, they, they don't, you need to watch. You need to go back and watch some of his promo work from the late eighties and mm. WWE. It's yeah. absolutely mesmer, mesmerizing. Yeah. I believe, be savage in particular.
0: I believe the, the full quote was uh, never turn your back on a man you fear or respect so yeah just drops yeah. the mic and walks away What well, I mean probably the best ending to a promo I've seen in quite a while
1: I'd probably say so yeah it was great no, I loved that.
0: No, word, no words spoken but it said a thousand words
1: mm-hmm. oh yeah absolutely
0: so uh, that's been AEW Dynamite for this week, the the Hangover show from Revolution, and I think I think it's safe to say I think it was a pretty solid show all round. You know, it's building, it's building towards the future. We've got new stables, uh, new stables in there. We've got more hype towards the Exalted one, and the Inner Circle looks more dangerous than ever.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't think it's, it was as good as the shows they did in the lead up to Revolution, but it's still a bad show. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so it was, okay. it was a solid, solid show. All right. Uh, and on that note, uh, we're going to jump over to Full Sail University and discuss NXT, where we go into straight into our top three undisputed moments of this week. Now, again, we have chosen the same top three moments, but we just have them in a slightly different order. So I'm going to kick off with your number three first, Stevie. So your number three undisputed moment is the Undisputed Era versus Lorcan and Birch or the, what was it called? Brit Ams? Is that Brit right? Ams. The Bret and Yep. and you know what? I, I agree. I think they, I had this as my number two moment because you know I really like seeing both these teams go at it, and it I think it to say it was a pretty solid back and forth match between the two.
1: Yeah, uh, Lurker and Butch are a great example of a team who they don't who don't do too much, but see every time they use them, mm-hmm. whether it be on NXT or in recent weeks NXT UK. They look, they've got that g- a great style, hard hitting. You know, no frills. Just go out and batter whoever they've got about them. No frills. Throw- eh? Yeah, old school <laughs> throwback, like classic British wrestling style. You know, only Larkin is just a bag full
0: of energy. Oh yeah, Larkin. You know, you can see it in his face as well. You know, the man just screams intensity. He's kind of he kind of reminds you a bit of Ilya Dragunov, almost. You know, he's not the biggest guy, but my God, can he throw a punch?
1: Oh yeah, a, a beautiful use of uppercuts all the time. You know.
0: Yeah, and the last time I think Undisputed Era went against Larkin and Birch was probably at Takeover Chicago, and I still rate that as one of my favorite tag team matches uh, that WWE has ever produced. But the only difference with that match is that it was Kyle and Roderick Strong as opposed to Kyle and Bobby, but it didn't really make much of a difference. They're still, they're still a big unit.
1: No, definitely. And I think this was a good match to kind of use to help uh, put the Undisputed Era back on winning ways. Mm-hmm. Especially if they look like they're going to have some sort of involvement again in the tag team titles at the next takeover. Maybe with a bit of a twist, which I think will be quite interesting, which we'll probably talk about in a wee minute. Yep. But yeah, I think this was a good... I think uh, Lorcan and Burts are an example right now of a tag team who don't need the wins. Maybe after Tampa they should be a team that looks made to look strong.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But Right now, I think they were again a perfect choice to have undisputed era face to look like a million bucks.
0: Yeah, I mean you, you can't you can't discount undisputed era from the tag team uh, sort of championship picture, and you know they, they cut a promo at the end as well, saying you know there's you know even though they've lost the titles, they're still gonna go back for them, and then obviously the weights come out and. The you know, obviously Matt Riddle is dynamite on the mic with his really lax sort of promos. Mm-hmm. But the uh, the response to that was that it was a surprise attack from Grizzle Jung Veterans. Now, <laughs> <laughs> yep. And you know what? I'm really pleased that Grizzle Jung Veterans are now being featured more on full sale. Like they've really sort of come into their own as one of the top heel Tag teams in NXT altogether, not just uh, in Full sale but in the UK at the same time. Like, what's uh, what's your opinion on Grizzled Jung Vets?
1: I think that they're, they're an amazing tag team, absolutely. brilliant. the chemistry the two have got are, is is first class. And what I quite like now is uh, we seem to be seeing now a slow but steady transition of NXT UK wrestlers going into the Full Sail product, you know, the, the actual mainstay NXT, mm-hmm. which I think maybe a lot of people had was a criticism of maybe NXT UK in the first year, that, that maybe we're not, uh, it wasn't actually making you know, like proper stars out of these guys, you were just going to have a bunch of guys who would wrestle about the indies and maybe appear on these NXT UK tapings every so often, mm-hmm. so I think now, obviously, yeah, Pete, Pete Dunne's obviously there now full-time, I think that from what I read, the Grizzle Young Vets were not on the uh, Coventry tapings over the weekend there so no, it they're, looks they're, like they're
0: full yeah th- their last match I believe was in York when they went against The Hunt
1: yeah so there's a good chance they probably now look like for the time being at least uh, main NXT talent now which I think is about time given the talent that the two of them have got Zach Gibson in particular we yep. don't really, we've not really seen a proper payoff of his United Kingdom Championship win Mm-hmm. other than these tag team runs so I think uh, they're a fantastic tag team and I think if you put them against these other two teams that's a match that's a cracking match that's going to make uh, the tag team match at Tampa a bit more different than what we saw in the last TakeOver
0: Yeah, we've seen all three of these teams go at each other just like uh, 2v2 but see for TakeOver Tampa can you see them maybe having a triple threat for the tag titles?
1: Yeah, I think, I think Triple Threat's a logical one because keeps undisputed there about it. Whilst it makes it a bit fresh as opposed to just being a straight rematch, which mm. is the w, which is the other one of the criticisms people have at WWE WWE, they do a lot of rematches. Yeah, so well, and the Vets makes it different.
0: I, I do think this justifies it a bit as well. You know, throwing uh, Grizzle Jung bets in, into the championship title match, even though they sort of faced in the finals of the the Dusty Cup with the Broserweights it having the championships in there does freshen it up a bit yeah i'd say so mm-hmm. so that was my that was your number 3 and that was my number 2 so we're going to flip reverse it now and we'll do your number 2 and my number I had this one as number 3 it was the interview that Mauro Nao conducted with Johnny Gargano yeah and what a what a difference a few weeks make from you know cheering for Johnny wrestling johnny takeover to now becoming one of the most uh, polarizing heelish type characters in NXT. Like, did you ever see? Did you ever think that Johnny Gargano would be in this position?
1: See, we kind of had a brief tease of a heel Johnny Gargano at that point uh, when he was feuding with Alistair Black, and a lot yeah. of people were a lot of people were split on that. So, I think the difference that they had to have done with this whole thing now is maybe do a bit of. Development to dark Johnny Gargano. We didn't really see a lot of kind of reasoning to kind of why he went dark at that point. So I think mm-hmm. using him with with Maro here, because uh, Maro has been is a uh, beloved by all the NXT fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, how non NXT fans see him is a different matter that we won't discuss. But
0: uh,
1: I think he's a per- he was a perfect foil to help bring this out in Johnny. And this was a bit different as opposed to just him saying, oh, you know, Ciampa, was you were the one that turned on me originally. It's like, no, we need to have a bit more layers to it. Mm-hmm. And this sit-down interview helped start to tease out these other layers, which is good. Mm-hmm. It's what I want to see as opposed to just him and Champa just talking about their past history.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, I think, you know, as you mentioned, you know, the feud with Alistair Black, uh, at the end of, I think it was last or the start of last year, the um, that gradual development into a sort of darker Johnny Gargano. I think it, it definitely sort of, you know, became an obsession over wanting to get to Champa quite a bit. So I, I'm wondering if they're using the same tactic to try and, you know, justify this turn, but maybe put a slight twist on it, mm-hmm. because Champa in this role, you know, he's st- he's he's more of a face character now, whereas last year. He was the biggest heel in NXT.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. It's, it's it's a complete switch, but you got to at least make it look. You got to have a bit of reasoning to it. You can't just flip the switch and just go, "Oh, Champ is now the face." Now we need to put Gargano as the heel. No, you need to have some sort of, you know, you need to make that. You need to have the guys to buy into it. You know, you can't mm. just, you can't just because with the big criticism with wrestling is in general is sometimes they insult the intelligence of the fans.
0: Oh yeah, all the time.
1: All the time. So they need to need to give. You need to explain it a bit more, and I think by having him have this sit down with Maro, it brings a bit more explanation to it. And you know, overall, it will look. It should hopefully build it. I think this whole feud between the champ and Gargano, if they're going to do it in Tampa, it needs to be the last. I don't Uh, think they can't. They can't just. They can't pull it out again. Mm. They need to make it look like this is it. This is the last we're going to have us go up against each other.
0: Yeah, there's no, there's no two ways about it. This needs to be the final nail in the in the rivalry. I mean, I know they were supposed to do it last year, but obviously Champas neck injury threw a wrench in the works for that. So I think they're trying to tie off some loose ends here.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's kind of what it's more about that. I think it's kind of, we wanted to do this last year. We've got the chance here. We need to kind of blow it off completely. We can't have a case of, like, Kevin Owens, Sammy Zane again. As great yeah. as that is. So we need to kinda of give reason for us to be the last of it.
0: Uh-huh.
1: I think I know these two have talked about wanting to be NXT for life, but I think at least one of them need would benefit from going to Raw or SmackDown. As mm. much as it as much as they they might not get booked away, but they can't how much more can they kinda of troll about NXT? Just the two of them, you know, they maybe need a bit of a freshening up.
0: Mm. Well, Chamber has said, you know, he will he will, like, retire from wrestling if he moves to Raw or SmackDown. So I'm not sure is going to be one of those guys to do that. And I think Johnny, there has been sort of talk around that, you know, he's taking on more of a, a producer role backstage at NXT. So maybe that'll be the way to write him off, but still keep him as part of NXT.
1: Mm-hmm. Potentially, you never know,
0: but... but I think the important thing is there's a ton of intrigue around this feud now, and we want to see how it pans out. So, I mean, it's it's got me hooked on it, and I want to see what happens next. And there's going to be a bigger explanation next week.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see how they go about with that. Uh, that could help sell the feud to a lot to the wider audience. But
0: mm-hmm.
1: hopefully, they'll do something good. They're going to have a great match regardless, as long as uh, you don't go too way.
0: shenanigan heavy. Either way, it's going to be. I think it's going to be fantastic. So. Uh, before we go to our number one, which we've both chosen as the same thing, um, we'll just talk about some honorable mentions. Now, the first one we have is the, the main event, Velveteen Dream versus Roderick Strong in the Steel Cage. I mean, see, when these two go at it one-on-one, I mean, there's you, you're not going to get a bad match out of either of them. And they've even been nominated as uh, Rivalry of the Year in NXT. Do you think this is one of those matches where you put these two together you're you're guaranteed they're going to have a a decent match
1: yeah safe bet for a good match I mean Roddy is the workhorse you've got Velveteen Dream who's the charisma sponge Mm -hmm. that he is he's an absolute his character's great Um, they just work well together I think the one thing that did not help this match was that it was a cage match on a show that had another cage match which was very very good Mm Mm-hmm. So it's always hard to kind of top what they've seen before. I think if they maybe had a cage match with, on a show that did not have the match with, that opened the show, yeah. it may have came more favourably in terms of my top three. But wasn't bad by any way. And it's obviously laid the groundwork for the next NXT title match, it looks.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, I, and you make an excellent point, you know, because I was debating, I very nearly had this in my top three as well. But obviously because, you know, we've already had a cage match open the show, it's, it kind of watered it down a bit. But at the same time, you know, it really sort of forwards the feud that Dream's got going up against Undisputed Era. And it, it doesn't, it's not that, you know, he's, he's feuding with just Roddy still, but it's more to do with the fact that he's feuding with Undisputed Era as a whole. And evident of what happened in the closing moments of the match where Undisputed Era came, came out to interfere. And he actually let Roddy escape the cage, just so he could get his hands on Adam Cole.
1: Yeah, it was a. It was a, 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 both of these cage matches had sl- creative finishes. Mm, which
0: yeah, that's quite Yeah, very, very, very creative finish. And but I think it's pretty clear that you know Dream has got his eyes set on the NXT Championship. So could we see Adam Cole versus Velveteen Dream at Tampa?
1: I think it's a certain. Um, I initially thought Dream is the guy to dethrone him. Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure if that's the way they'll go with it, so I'm going to have to see how they build it the next few weeks before I make my call on that. But it's definitely going to be the match, uh, the main events, camp. Uh, I think.
0: See, this is what I'm really quite curious about. You know, because when you think Adam Cole Velveteen, Dream, I, I like my initial impression would be that you know Adam Cole might actually retain here, but I think this actually adds to the unpredictability factor. In in a way that you know, Dream is obviously going to be the underdog going into this because you've got one guy against four essentially. But I think I think it's possible that Dream could actually pull off a really outstanding victory here in the same way when he beat Johnny Gargano for the NXT North American title.
1: Yeah, it could, it, it, it could happen. You know, I'd be I would not be surprised with it because they're very high on Velveteen Dream. So yeah, many he, people are.
0: He's massively over with the crowd, and I think he'd be an excellent uh, guy to to lead the brand as champion.
1: I think so. He's a bit different, uh, It's maybe what uh, NXT needs going mm-hmm. forward with this whole Wednesday Night Wars.
0: And he can easily transition between a face and a heel as well.
1: Yeah, that's 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 the beauty of it. He's not as he's not one dimensional. You know, he's yeah. got so many different layers to him.
0: Yeah, he's a chameleon. He, he can adapt accordingly, and I think that's what they need from their champion.
1: Yeah, definitely. I agree with you.
0: Yeah, well, um, again, we'll see how how that unfolds and hopefully, you know, we'll get to see more of the dream. Uh, Up next, we had Chelsea Green versus Shotzi Blackheart in a number one contenders qualifying match for the six-way ladder match at Tampa. Mm -hmm. Chelsea Green gets a pretty convincing victory over Shotzi, but I want to ask you about Shotzi Blackheart for a moment because I think she sort of fits the same mold in the same way Darby Allin does on AEW. Like a very bright prospect in the women's division, uh, but someone who who stands alone with their sort of persona. You know, she comes out with with green hair. She comes down to the ring on a tank. She has that sort of gothic punk vibe look about her. I mean, so, what was your impression of her?
1: Ah, uh, she got the best entrance in NXT. I love <laughs> the tank. The tank is absolutely amazing. I had this on, I had this on the other day, and obviously she's got this different character about her. Um... Laura was watching it with me and she's just like, like I've really not watched this in so long. I've no idea what's going on here. <laughs> but, because she's so different from everybody else. That wasn't but uh I think she as a character will probably have be a more of a long term project. Mm-hmm. While it's Chelsea Green's somebody who they could make money off of right now as a contender. So I can understand yeah. why she was the one used to, you know, put over Chelsea Green, who probably needs to have been put over a wee bit, she, uh, I was surprised they went with the kind of stop-start nature of her feud with Caden Carter. Uh-huh. so she kind of needed this, and Shotzi did a good job of making her look good as yeah. the, the testable heel.
0: Yeah, my my problem with Chelsea Green is, you know, I think she she also feels a bit forced in a way. Like her in ring in ring work is a bit well, for lack of a better word, green, and. Um, I think I hate I actually hate Robert Stone more than I actually hate Chelsea Green as a heel character. Yeah, but you're meant to hate him. That's the point. Uh, I, I you know what you know what and I know we talked about this last time as well. Do you know what I hate about him the most? No socks. No socks, exactly. Uh God's sake, somebody used to get that man a pair of socks.
1: Robert Stone is a he's a charismatic guy. Have you ever seen his work in impact as Robbie E? Mm-hmm. He, he's working a different character than they did back in the day. But he's he has got charisma about him. It's just he could be he could do a great job in getting Chelsea Green over in a different way because she's a past time was more as this kind of crazy unhinged character. So she's working a bit different now.
0: The hot mess, I believe her gimmick was.
1: Ah, yes, that one time where she nearly married Greedo for a green card.
0: <laughs> uh, green card.
1: Yeah, whatever. Yeah. So you get a visa, whatever it was.
0: Yeah. yeah no. Yeah, I think green cards. Uh, right. Green
1: cards. The, American, the term that they use in America
0: for it. So yeah, Chelsea Green's the first person in this uh, six-person ladder match to determine the number one contender. Um, and over the coming weeks, we're going to see more number one, con- uh, more qualifying matches for this ladder match. Uh, any names in particular you see or you'd like to see in this in this ladder match?
1: I think the three nailed-on ones for me are Bianca Belair
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the two women who were in the opening match in Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai. Yep. I think they're the nail-on ones. The other two slots, um, if she's fit and healthy, you got to put Io Shirai in there. Definitely. Um, the other position on it could go from, any, from Candice LaRae as a safe shout. Yep. An outside bet is Mercedes Martinez.
0: And, yeah, and another great shout as well. Right bye. I think if we're going to, you know, play it safe, I think those five would be the best, they're the easiest choices.
1: Yeah, you can't not have Nox, Kai and Air in it though. The other two ones are up for grabs, but you can't, uh, there's no way, after that opening match, you can't have a match without those, without Nox and Kai in there, for character yeah. development
0: especially. I mean, the women's division is just so loaded, you think, you automatically, you know, for yet other people that are there, you know, because you've got, BAM, you've got Zaya Lee. And you know, as as mentions, you know, even the likes of Mercedes Martinez would be a great shout.
1: Yeah, you've got like some solid hands in there, in the likes of uh, Sina- Santana Garrett.
0: She's mm-hmm. a very
1: solid hand. Um there's people and they might chuck a name in there who's been about NXT for a while, Tainara Conte.
0: Casey Catanzaro.
1: Uh, Casey Catanzaro would be interesting in a ladder match. You've got the mm-hmm. uh, Vanessa Bourne. Mm-hmm. and the uh, other woman who's with her, whose name I forget right now. Aaliyah. <laughs> ah, yeah. So there's the, plenty in that division, depending on how they go with it, but mm-hmm. uh, I think Candice, uh, Shirai, and the other three are your safe bets.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the other honourable moment we have, Isaiah Swerve Scott versus Austin Theory.
1: Oh yeah, great to see if uh, Theory get a win here over a guy like Scott,
0: and he's definitely transitioned into somewhat more of a heel character now. Austin Theory, after arriving as somewhat of a generic babyface to go up against Roderick Strong, but you know the the interactions you know we see them having backstage and or out in the out in the outside the arena, you know it was a sort of pretty good setup. But you know Theory comes across looking great, and you know swerve. You know, Scott's very fond of uh, Swerve at this stage. I think he's... I think they're both doing pretty well at this stage.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I, I think they're doing pretty decently, yeah. Uh, Swerve could probably do with a win or two, but...
0: Yeah, he seems, to put, he seems to be putting over a lot of guys these days.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that they've kind of got a build-up of guys... They need to kind of build up a lot of guys who could challenge for both the North American Championship and the Cruiserweight Championship. Yeah. Which I think is wise enough to kind of do. I think currently the the North American scene is dominated by all these kind of bigger guys. Mm-hmm. So to kind of help, I think Fury is in the limit for cruiserweights. Am I right yep. to that?
0: So uh, I, I think I is, to no, no, no. Austin Fury is like two twenty or something. Is he two twenty? Yeah, it's he's still the limit.
1: I would still love to see him fight there yeah,
0: that'd be great. I mean, they can still have a match. It just won't be for the uh, the title.
1: Mm -hmm. I could buy into it, you know, I would like it. But we'll have to see how that kind of goes.
0: Yep. Anyway, let's move to our number one undisputed moment for this week. And we've both gone for the same thing. It was the opening match of the night. The steel cage match between Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai. Another chapter in their ongoing rivalry. Mm -hmm. Now, Stevie, you speak very highly of Tegan Knox and how her comeback story has really sort of gripped... the the, the audience Uh, how do you think this uh, this rivalry has unfolded given that Tegan is very much the solid baby face in this feud
1: I think it's been very good I I think uh, Dakota Kai's look great in it as well let's not not discredit Dakota Kai in any way she Mm -hmm. just came across she's transitioned into that heel role so so well it's the two of them just you can tell you can tell they're good friends because they know how to interact with each other yep they know how to create the story it's it's been very very good and I think with this cage match they did not go into too many cliche moments they created mm-hmm. different like ways of innovation with it yeah and it added so much to it. this close the closing stages of this cage match in particular there was so much creative uh, uh, storytelling with it and how they kind of went to the finish it was mm-hmm. much different very refreshing to see as opposed to your standard cage match type stuff.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, I felt like it was a bit of a slow burner, uh, this match. You know, I think it was a bit, it took a bit of going just to get it underway. But see when things started picking up, I I was really sort of hooked on it. You know, they were throwing each other into the cage. There was teasing with trying to escape the door. And you've obviously got the outside factor in the form of Raquel Gonzalez. And do you think having her as Dakota's, you know, sort of, extra pair of hands uh, what role or how what to, to what extent do you think she'll play in helping Dakota reach that sort of big breakout moment
1: I think she's got to play a similar role to what we've seen from Wardlow and Jake Hager and and on AEW just that kind of solid bodyguard type role who just you know helped their client in every Wait. way possible you know from what I've seen of Raquel Gonzalez she's not the article in the ring I don't know how well she's improved in the last year or so but being in the performance centre so it'll be when she, she will eventually, I think she will eventually have a match probably with Tegan Knox I'll be the person she fights down the yeah. line but at present she's doing her role perfectly and that she's helping Kai any means necessary get these wins and she played a major factor in this match
0: oh definitely like particularly you know when they were trying to escape the door as well. I, oh, love,
1: I loved all yeah. that bits. They were when the the kick to the, the kick to the cage door.
0: Yep, which knocked Raquel down. And yeah. it, you can tell Dakota, you know, was clearly, you know, stunned by that when she got her, her foot got caught in the top turnbuckle. Yeah. You think okay, this this might be the turning point because the outside the outside help is now incapacitated. And I think, you know, when Tegan hit the Shiniest Wizard, you think that was it. But that kick out as well, I mean, what a, what a near-fall.
1: Oh, some, uh, some great facial reactions to help sell it from, uh, from Tegan as well. Mm-hmm. Great sell of shock. I, I think the thing I like about Tegan Knox in this whole feud is she's obviously been the one that has been portrayed. So, but any time she's went full on angry, she's had those moments of kind of self-doubt, of, kind of like, this person was still my, my friend. Yeah. which you want from your baby face in an angle you don't want mm. them to be the vicious one that's what the heel should be Yeah. so it helps keep it keeps the line drawn between face and heel and it's not in the same way it's not I think when um, uh, Johnny Gargano when he had that feud with the was towards the later matches of it Yeah. Johnny was going a bit more full on stupidity <laughs> by,
0: going,
1: by going too gun ho in it but Tegan's at least kind of had that moment those moments of doubt which has helped to keep her as the solid baby face in this one. Yeah, uh, and she doesn't look weak in losing this match because she's absolutely squished between the cage and the door by Raquel Gonzalez.
0: Oh, what a creative finish for that! By the way, that was outstanding.
1: It was brilliant. It was brilliant work. It was just like, uh, how how can we stop her? Win- how can we stop her winning this one? Well, just squish her, and let the other one crawl out. Yeah, that storytelling we get. Kai looks like the absolute heel who will, you know, use anybody to win and uh, Tegan looks absolutely sympathetic in defeat, which mm-hmm. I think will help add the layer to the next part of this feud, which will come indirectly, I think, in that ladder match at Tampa.
0: I hope so too, yeah. And, you know, even if one of them doesn't make it to the ladder match, I think they're they're still going to get involved somehow.
1: Yeah, but I think, I think putting them both in there would work better, I think, because I would say that they're probably the favourites. At mm-hmm. the moment, I'm not sure. The other probably one would probably be Bianca Belair. Possibly, but yeah. I don't think they would throw Bianca back into that scene as quickly. I think she kind of needs a bit more time to kind of tell a story than the, mm. in the undercard. I think actually a good story would be her versus Shirai at some point when the, when Shirai comes back.
0: Possibly, yeah. I think that would be... And remember, they've got that history in the Battle Royal, the number exactly, one Exactly Battle Royal.
1: That's what I'm thinking. I think uh, either one of the two could transition into a
0: babyface role in some way. Mm-hmm. Potentially, potentially Shirai. I think he was. Probably better as a face in that role. She's good as a face if she keeps the character
1: she's got. She she keeps keep, it, she doesn't go back to the whole genius of the sky type one.
0: Well, keep herself as the sort of the the black lotus. I believe that was her heel gimmick in Japan.
1: Yeah, keep what she's doing, but just don't make her... like, and just keep just making a face. Just keep her doing what she is, but just to have a target heels uh, as opposed to good guys. Fair enough. Don't have her go back to what she was when she first came in via the Mae Young Classic and our first few months in
0: NXT. Oh, but I like I liked her gimmick like that. I think it was like. It was really, I, the gimmick, but it I think
1: it was really the gimmick, she's got right now is so much better.
0: Uh, fair enough. I mean, I, I mean, she still is over with the crowd. So but, I mean, I suppose that's the important thing.
1: At the same time, though, you could very easily have Bianca Belair go face because we all know about her real life marriage with uh, Montez Ford. Yeah, it's very very over. So they could maybe play into that a wee bit more.
0: Maybe. Uh, just one more point I just want to mention. What about that cross body from the top as well? from oh, Tegan? It was lovely. It was very I mean, that, well. That was just a cherry on top for that match, in my opinion.
1: Uh, that was a choke slam as well. The choke slam was great oh,
0: too. yeah, The choke slam from the rope, the, the top rope. Yeah, I, was, I forgot about that. Right.
1: Some very good selling from Kai. Kai, mm-hmm. Kai sold all the moves from the top of the cage fantastically.
0: Well, that choke slam as well. She basically folds up like an accordion when she hit the mat.
1: Ah, oh, it's great. It's brilliant. I loved it. You know, the, i have, i was never the biggest fan of Dakota Kai as a face, but mm-hmm. she's so much better now with this Euro.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's safe to say, you know, we, I mean, not to sound like a broken record, but NXT's women's division is pretty much uh, one of the best things going in the wrestling industry at the minute.
1: It's the best women's division in the world, in the world of wrestling, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Nobody can argue with that one. As much as you can criticize everything else. It, and the WWE product compared to other promotions, you know, yep. women's division is by far the way the
0: best. As much as Stephanie likes to beef up the raw SmackDown women's divisions, as you know, as being all historic and whatnot, NXT's just taking it uh, to new heights, as yeah, it always does. Definitely, it's the death it, you know, small mm-hmm. one. But yeah, that's uh, that's going to wrap up here for Wednesday Night Wars. I think uh, both shows this week did very well, and um, you know, despite you know one of them was coming off the, the tail end of a pay per view. And we're still we're still on the on good route to you know build towards take over Tampa and WrestleMania.
1: Mm-hmm, definitely should be interesting. Uh, how um, with uh, NXT not having the their women's champion on the card for the mm-hmm. Tampa show, it's interesting. that They're, they're going to have to be a lot more creative with all these women underneath. Uh, in this ladder match, mm-hmm. uh, but remember the last time we had a, a ladder match at WrestleMania weekend.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Adam we Cole the became. Yep, Adam Cole became the first ever NXT North American champion.
1: Yeah, and Ricochet got through about the ring like a right
0: trackie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that phrase. Uh, but yeah, anyway, we're, we're going off topic here. Uh, so that's been Wednesday Night Wars here as part of Suplex Retweet Extra. You can catch this show and a whole bunch of other shows that we do. We've got Raw Report, we've got Fourier Fatal, we've got uh, Alba Good Graps, hosted by Quacko and Sarah and you can find them all on Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, and all good Android podcasting sites. Be sure to subscribe to our main feed channel as well, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. We we've got new content coming out every Thursday, and this past week, uh, you can listen to The Greatest Eras of Wrestling show, hosted by Derek, and that and many other shows, including the History of the Elimination Chamber, and stay tuned as well, because we've got some big, uh, big plans coming for Wrestlemania week this year. So all that remains for me to say is thank you once again to Stevie for joining me. Thank you, David. Yep. And we will see you next week for another episode of Wednesday Night Wars. Until then, see ya. See ya.